Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Got a little bit of a book club episode for you all today with actor Colton Haynes, who's got a new memoir out called Miss Memory Lane, which is a great read. Colton, someone you might recognize from TV shows like MTV's Teen Wolf, Arrow on CW, American Horror Story. He was in a really funny movie called Rough Night a few years back. He's also been in successful modeling campaigns for places like Abercrombie and Fitch and wait for it. XY Magazine. That's right. If you're a millennial gay, you know the XY Magazine photos I'm talking about that were once scrubbed from the internet. Uh, Colton and I talk all about that. We also talk about his coming out. He did it publicly for Entertainment Weekly in 2016. What it's like coming out in Hollywood, as well as some of the relationships he had. His book is incredibly forthcoming about his sexuality, mental health. He talks about relationships that he had when he was just a teen with a 40-something, as well as unfortunate situation that he was in with a a family member. The book is so... it, It just goes there. He's really raw and vulnerable in it. And he talks about it all. He mentions it all. And it's very a uh, great read. I think people are really going to like it. So I hope you enjoy our chat. You can go read the book and come back to this chat or just read it. It's a great conversation. So I hope you all enjoy. I want to encourage you all to pick up the book, Miss Memory, Miss Memory Lane. And as always, I will try to put up the interview up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. And with all of that said, please enjoy the chat. Although I do want to just let everyone know that the book is intense. I thought it was so, so good. I can't recommend it enough. But just go into it knowing that he opens up again about mental health, sexuality, and all sorts of other things. So uh, please enjoy my chat with Colton Haynes. He's got a new book out called Miss Memory Lane. Colton, it's incredible. First of all, how are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I told you a minute ago that I've been attacked by my cat all morning trying to get him to the vet. But um, yeah, he's not in the cage yet. So otherwise, but yeah, otherwise I'm doing good. Wait, what's the cat's name? His name is Timothy Shalomiao. I love it. I love it. Uh, Colton, this book was incredible. I, I sort of got it and I don't know what I expected exactly, but I flew through it in one night. I mean, it's so incredibly compelling. It's so honest. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. You open up about your mental health and and all sorts of industry stuff, which is really fascinating. But I think anyone is going to be able to relate to it. And I was just struck by how honest it was. And I wondered, going into the writing process, was that something you were steadfast in? Or did it sort of reveal itself as you were working on it? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Thank you for saying that. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it. I I had been approached, I've been approached for a while to, to write a, a book. And I wasn't in the right state of mind, clearly, if you read the book. But 
I just really felt like now was the time. And I, and I wanted to make sure that if I was going to be given the opportunity to write one, that I was a hundred percent me. And that also I wouldn't have anyone try to just try to censor me because, you know, a lot of my upbringing and my stories, they are very intense. And I didn't want to do the, you know, typical, like I went to my Swedish chalet or the Alps and wrote on a typewriter and sipped hot chocolate. Like that was not, I didn't want to have that writing process. I, I wanted to really, you know, get a lot of this out. And I was luckily able to, and it's, gosh, it was such a hard process to write it emotional warfare but but i'm so so glad that i have this now and and as we're recording this the book's not officially out so i wonder are you are you nervous you must be nervous because it's it's intense oh yeah i i i'm pretty nervous i mean it's it's more i mean this is gonna sound weird but it's i'm more nervous that i'm gonna like fuck up the book coming out before it comes out because i i'm I am kind of better sometimes on the page. And when I say that, you know, that's something that people used to say to me just to like, you know, just to tear me down a bit, like saying, you know, you look better on the page or blah, blah, blah. And for, for this book, I, it's so, I worked so hard on it. I mean, I can't even describe it. It means like three years of sleeping two hours a night and crying um, every day. But I'm, I'm more afraid and nervous of doing press for the book because in the past, uh, a lot of times I've done interviews and things like that. And, and uh, in my personal experience, I know it's not the same for everybody else, but when I've done a lot of press, it hasn't been designed to try to promote my, my projects or promote things. It's kind of been designed to um, tear me down a bit. And, and I think that that's been, that was a struggle for me. But I'm really not nervous. I'm kind of excited that I could finally get this out there and also for people to hear these stories that my friends are fucking tired of hearing about. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen a couple of the reviews from, from people who've gotten the, the arc and it's just been so overwhelming and so yeah. positive. And I'm really I mean, excited. I'm not bullshitting you. I really thought it was incredible. Like oh, shockingly shocking. I mean, I shouldn't be so shocked, but it was just well, really no. well-written and also so relatable. I think you and I are sort of around the same age. You might be a little bit younger, but we're not counting the years. Uh, yeah. And so I related to quite a bit of it. And I, I wondered, you go into a lot of traumatic experiences. And I find that oftentimes, at least in my own experiences, we sort of block out certain traumatic memories. And so were things coming to you as you were writing that you'd completely forgotten about? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. But no, I I'm like a... I'm like a vault for memories. I mean, my memory, my memory of, of things that that's why it was, it, it wasn't difficult to get a lot of this on the page for me because I have journals from, I think like 13, 13, 14 years old until now 33. And so there's some of it that literally just was almost an exact, almost just exactly what I wrote in my journal that was mm-hmm. then put into the book. And it was really easy for me to, to remember these stories, but at the same time, it wasn't until the last year, I think, where it all started kind of hitting me, where I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm just basically talking about, you know, sex and violence and a lot of things in the book. And um, it's not necessarily what people know me for. It's going to be interesting because people do get a little surprised whenever, at least the people that have read it, is because I think they just expected something completely different from what uh, I wrote. And that's kind of exciting to me because I'm not like Hollywood at all. I mean, I am 
Kansas. Like I'm still kind of that poor kid who grew up in a small town. You talk about sex in a way and oftentimes gay stories, even now in 2022 are desexualized in in so many ways. And I feel like we're even in mainstream media on television or film. And and there are a lot more roles that are gay characters on television, but they're oftentimes desexualized. And I, I think some of the experiences that you talk about in the book are universal experiences. There are also some more traumatic stuff, but in terms of yeah. um, just the, the breadth of sexuality in the book, I found very refreshing because that's something I've been finding very frustrating as I watch different stories centered around real gay people, gay characters that are scripted and, and so on. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. I think that it's when you grow up queer and, you know, not, getting the attention that sometimes you need and just feeling like you're completely different from everyone else. I think oftentimes you search for, or you're willing to do anything you can to get love and attention and affection. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, sometimes that does come with sex at, at early ages for a lot of gay people. And for me personally, I'm not speaking for everybody else, but I always felt like an adult at a very young age. And uh, I was doing very, very, very adult things at a very young age that then all ended when I moved to Hollywood and, um, you know, locked that side of me up. And now I'm just like, like wanting to get back to those days of like feeling free and like feeling uninhibited. I think young queer people will find the sex stuff in whatever way they can. And so I think by forcing kids in the closet or encouraging them to stay in the closet, I feel like it it can be a very dangerous thing. You talk in the book about even in your adult life, working in Atlanta and going out to gay clubs. And I remember as a teen sneaking up, uh, sneaking off to gay bars in Cleveland and, and driving drunk to get to a a gay bar or bathhouse or whatever it was, because you need to get those feelings out. And so that's why I think it's so dangerous to even, I don't want to say encourage people to stay in the closet, but you know what I'm saying, right? Oh, I definitely, I definitely know you, what you're saying. And, you know, then you, you start developing these really tricky patterns of, you know, growing up, having to keep things a secret. So then you, you're, you're always in search of secrecy and always in search of that kind of, like you said, driving to, to bathhouses or do, do things kind of a little sleuthy. Yeah. It's definitely in, especially Whenever the whole talk started happening about, you know, no kink at pride and things like that, that was just another way of, of people who don't understand what it's like to live um, the queer experience, uh, trying to um, just lock away our sexuality and, and to try to, you know, it's bad for kids. Well, then your kids shouldn't be there, you know? Yeah. And when, whenever I think a lot of stories are told uh, with se- as queer stories are, are told with sex, like you said, they are very censored. And, and I didn't want that. I wanted to tell exactly how things were. And trust me, there were plenty, plenty of stories that didn't make the book because I already had been, you know, sued a bunch of times for, for saying things, but um, I didn't want that this time. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still plenty of juicy stuff. So you talk about these uh, pictures that you had taken before you really entered the, the mainstream industry. It was what XY magazine. And I remember being on the internet back in the day and message boards, gay message, queer message boards, people would yeah. speculate, were those real? Or are they fake? Because uh, you know, people didn't know. And you talk about how people on your team had essentially scrubbed them from the internet. And so yeah. I find it so fascinating what that must have done to your psyche, because from reading the book, it seemed like you had a pretty 
firm grasp on who you were sexually as a gay man. And then you come to Hollywood, you get success in the industry and start working and largely have to go back in the closet. And then I could only imagine the psychological effect of hopping on the internet and seeing people literally argue whether or not this is true. And then you knowing that people on your team were trying to get them off the internet. Like what, what was that even specific scenario like in your head? It was, you know, I think that's when, when a lot of my, my attempts to numb out everything started was when, when I first moved to LA, when I say force, it was just saying, basically, you will not, your dreams will not come true if you are the way you are. So you have to change everything about yourself. And that at the time I was like, you know what, like, fuck you, I'm going to use this as, as fuel and I'm going to succeed no matter what any of you think. And when that happened, then the added pressure and added uh, complications of being in the public eye came in into play. And that's when my numbness started and I started, you know, using drugs and alcohol. But with that specific scenario, like I just, I, I genuinely didn't know if I was ever going to be able to come out because I, it was tricky because I, I was out to close people and people and my friends and in my family, but the public was so heated about, about the, everything that was going on with my closeting, which now I finally understand. Like, you know, I was promoting a message of you can be, don't be either feminine or, or I was promoting the only way that, that a person that was gay could be, which was try to put yourself up and try to do things like that. And that was a really bad message I was sending to a lot of people. And that's why I understand that some of the backlash came, which rightfully so I, I totally agree. Looking back at it all now that I feel like I can kind of pull out and be like, wow, that was really intense. It, it still it's, makes me emotional because I see it happening to people currently and, you know, in the media and things like that. And it's, it's so funny because to feel like I was at, at, on top of the world and my career was just, you know, I was at every opportunity right at my fingertips. And then right when I confirmed everyone's suspicion, I lost everything. And so that and I was also a laughing sock online and I was the butt of every joke and it was mostly coming from our community. That was hard. You know, that was really hard for me, but I now understand that I'm able to focus on the positive as opposed to the negative now. Yeah. So. But also, I mean, devil's advocate, one person can be entirely responsible to behave a, the exact right way. And so for sure. Yeah. And it's, I was going to get to this later, but so at a certain point, there's like a tumble Tumblr post where you allude to the fact that you're gay and then you officially confirm it in entertainment weekly in 2016. And it did get a lot of backlash. I mean, I, there was a specific interview with an actor from an ABC show uh, given to vulture. And he had said some pretty nasty things. I think I wrote it down. He said it was pussy bullshit, but you had responded to that. And I wonder, did you ever have any contact again about that situation? Did you to privately chat about that or anything? You know, we did. I reached out and a lot of, a lot of the last four years for me has been putting myself in other people's shoes first. And then I come back and bring how I feel about things like that. And, you know, if I was a 21 year old who was so fucking talented and was so, I mean, Noah's so talented, like insanely talented. And, you know, to see what's the word, my, I'm going to say like my packet, my package, but like, you know, uh, your package, uh, my, my package, 
uh, was more and more important to everyone else than actually my talent, because I do actually have talent, which that's one thing I can be confident about. I can understand why that would piss anyone off. His, what he said was not true. I didn't, he didn't read the interview because I clearly said that I was gay. Also, he tweeted me five days before he gave that interview and congratulated me, which I thought was interesting, but, but I reached out and you know, not to get too into it, because I know that that's a, this is what a lot of people are going to focus on. You you know, gay fights and, and you know all that stuff. It it can be distract from the message. It's really distracting. Yeah. And you know, I reached out and I, I just was like, look, I know what that must have been for you because you know, seemingly he lost a show because of it and things like that. But there was also equal amounts of praise from his side because you know there are people that were like, fuck Colby, but um. I, I basically was like, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I didn't, I just wanted to clear the air and yeah, all is good now. And, um, good, good. Yeah. And so. we all say stupid things when we're in our early twenties. I mean, thank if God I, I didn't was, have a microphone then. <laughs> if I was, if I was out, like if I was, I mean, God, I can't imagine if I was like in the public eye before the age I was, before I was 21, like I would have been, I was a terror. Like I was not um, mentally. Now I'm in more mentally stable, but uh, back then it would it would have been a problem. I want to talk a little bit about after post coming out. You mentioned that you feel like everything sort of dried up. What do you what do you think of the industry now in terms of queer people? Do you think it's better than even in 2016? I do think it. I do think it's better. I well, <laughs> it's funny. We still it's got like a ways do, to go. It's like I do and I don't. I mean, yeah. you know, I it is really nice to see that there are a lot of different types of queer people being celebrated now and it's not just the the crop of stereotypically yeah yeah good looking gays yeah yeah i, I was gonna say the ryan murphy gays. i love ryan murphy i'm but i've seen yeah. that meme i've seen that meme oh yeah yeah but, you know, y'all look alike yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh you know it, that's really exciting for me i i definitely for me personally it there were a lot of other things going into it you know i did have like a complete mental breakdown i did get married and i did I was very public with everything, but I was in a spiral. But that being said, I went from auditioning and and playing roles that were very, very leading man, kind of masculine and auditioning against other straight men and getting those roles. And now I'll get five auditions a year to play the gay best friend. And yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting how, when the public can kind of, how that kind of plays in Hollywood is, is pretty tricky, but I do think there could be a lot more change happening when it comes to queer representation in Hollywood for sure. Yeah. Uh, You write about sexual abuse at a young age and I'm curious, have you had contact with the, there specifically an older family member, I believe you said when you were 14 in the book and did you ever get closure from that? The family member, it was my, my uncle who's, who's since passed and I was six and then he, he passed away and you know, my, my family knew about it. And it was one thing before my mom died that she was very, very worried. She was, she didn't want me to talk about that. And, and she couldn't quite understand that when I would say, you know, this is, this could possibly help a lot of people that she just couldn't understand it because she was so heartbroken by it. But with, when I was, when I was 14, I was involved in a I mean, it kind of started two years earlier, but that was more mental involved with a, a, 40 something man right yeah. was, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of because i just slightly changed things just um names and things like that just to protect sure yeah yeah that happened when i was 14 and and i genuinely i 
genuinely was in love and infatuated with this man. And I did whatever I could from almost, I think like 12 until I was 14 to sleep with him. And then it started. And um, now after decades of therapy, I finally understand that that it was wrong. So even into your adult life, you you still looked at that relationship specifically with the forty something man when you were twelve to fourteen or around there. Fourteen. So even into your adulthood, you you still sort of thought that was okay, right? Yeah, I genuinely, I genuinely in my head had convinced myself that I was the aggressor. And that I was the one that wore him down. And then, of course, you know, ego gets in the way. And I'm like, you know, how could he resist me? Like all that bullshit. And really, it's just your mind playing tricks on on you. Or for me specifically, because everyone's story everyone's is different. But yeah, it definitely it was something that was hard to write about. Because, you know, when, when you, you when you kind of do grow up pretty fast, you, it, it's hard to be like, well, maybe I wasn't as mature as I thought I was. I was 14. But, um, you know, I carried a lot of those those issues and trauma in my life to my, you know, current life right now. I think I've got a hold on it right now. So this might sound a little superficial, but I think in in the book, I'm so fascinated by the way you use sexuality and also became this hugely successful model. Obviously you're incredibly good looking. And I wondered, was there a moment that you realized you had that superpower or like in terms of your looks, like, did, was there a moment where you realized even as a young boy, Oh, this is, currency in a way in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was really, I was a shy kid. I was really, really nerdy and I, I was extremely shy. I couldn't, I had a very high voice and it was very, you know, everyone used to say that, you know, call me a, of course a fag and say that I sound like a little girl. And, and I used to be it, called squeaks. I had an older neighbor man who would call me squeaks all the time because I um, had a high pitched voice. And as a young closeted kid, it's like that fucks you up because it was like, he would in front of anyone, he would be like, Oh, where squeaks at? Like in the neighborhood shouting across the whole group of kids. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> it's terrible because you can carry that stuff around, you know, and that that yeah. that like I couldn't understand why I could walk better in heels than all of my girlfriends. And I I just couldn't understand that why I had a little bit of like a um sass to my walk. And people used to when they would comment on it, it would yeah. It would just really hurt my feelings, but but I think that with my when it as, when it came to my looks, I I genuinely like I think I think especially the people that I've worked with in the past, and you know, whenever I was modeling, my roommates in the models department, they could give a fuck about the fashion industry. They're like, I genuinely idolize photographers, models. I mean, I I'm like a fashion obsessed person, and so you know, when you tell people that, they're like, oh, well, but you know, people don't want to hear that. They're just like, you you're obsessed with yourself, and I'm like. Wait till you read my book. You'll just see how much I hate myself. But no, when it comes to my looks, I really, I loved transforming into into the person that I saw whenever I saw photos of myself. The confidence and the kind of, um, it also was a way, a storytelling tool for me because people still, people don't like to listen to the words that come out of my mouth. I think they've already checked out by, you know, seeing me or they, they just, they're not interested in listening to the words once they kind of come out of my mouth. And so I was able to tell my story and kind of tell a story or whatever story I was wanting to tell through my photographs. And that, that, that is really, really, I just love, I love the whole thing. I love the whole industry. That's how I started being like, you know, this could be my ticket out and I'm willing to do whatever I can to 
to get there. Do so. you have a favorite photo that you've taken from the modeling years or? I do actually. What is I, mean, what is... I, I, I actually just saved it. I, I fought for this to be the cover of the book, but well, I'm not going to tell you how old I am here just because, but I'm really young. It was, I explain it in my, in the photo shoot um, in, in that chapter in New York, how, you know, I worked with a photographer who I just adored and didn't treat me. He, he didn't treat me the way that most people treated me. It was almost as if he had gone through the same things that I've been through, even though I was in a very sexual position in the photo shoot. But I wanted this, but of course they're like, no one will be able to carry that book. But yeah. there's this great documentary. It's going to be on Netflix. I got, I got a chance to see it early. It's called White Hat about the Abercrombie and Fitch store and everything. And there's a chapter in the book where you talk about modeling for Abercrombie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your experience. You did a photo shoot for, I think it was Abercrombie Kids at the time. Yeah, I worked with them. I worked with them a, a, a handful of times. I I had a blast. I mean, that those shoots were magic for me. I mean, they were. I met. I still have friends from a lot of those shoots. I did. I do tell a story in the book about how I got arrested. Well, That's I didn't a good get story. Yeah, I didn't fully get arrested, but I did get you know handcuffed and put in the cop car and did get a ticket um, for minor possession. But. uh then this was during an Abercrombie shoot. Yeah. I was, I was trying to just be like the life of the party and like realize that my fake ID that I had uh, secured from sleeping with some dude and stealing his ID. I I was trying to make everyone like me. And that's something that I still, you know, that I've done my whole life is I'm willing, I'll do anything. If people will just like me, if people will think I'm funny, if people will just, um, what's your sign Colton? What is, what are you? I'm a, I'm a cancer. Okay. Okay. What's, what's your sign? I'm a Libra. I feel like I'm, Libras are people pleasers. So I feel oh, like yeah. I'm, I'm similar in that way. It's like, I just want everyone yeah. to get, I want the balance. I want everyone to get along, everyone to, everything That's to be exactly. That's like me. I mean, I'm definitely, I don't, even, I don't really see people a lot because I don't leave my house, but, but I, I am very, very that. And so, yeah, during the shoot, I had a little party in my room and um, got <laughs> arrested. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, those experiences for me were just always great and getting flown to like different locations and getting to meet these kids who were just like, who had that same longing or that same light that you did and probably came from areas just like you. I don't know. It was just magical to me. It was really, for me, I mean, to be completely honest, my passion was to be a model. I'm going to be straight up. Like I, I yes, I, I was acting, but I've said this before and and it's, it's a little hard to understand, but like I genuinely love everything about making the making of the photo shoots and, and things like that. And that kind of helped me get into acting. And it used to piss me off when people were like, you're too short. Like you should be an actor. And I'm like, I'm going to model. I'm going to be in a photo shoot with Kate Moss. You fucker. Like, what do you mean? Don't tell me to act. Uh, Yeah. But also you got the jawline. So that's the most important thing. I think I mean, it's, it's, it's now it's just, uh, I know that you can't in the book, you even say that legally you're not allowed to talk about the public marriage that you had. And I, I of course don't want to ask you about that. I'm just curious if, do you wish you would have been able to discuss it or were you, did you write the book and say, no, I, I was able to tell the full complete story without that. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. I, I'm really glad that I, I, I wasn't, that I'm not able to talk about it be just simply for the fact of it was, it's not until pretty recently where 
I've finally dealt with that chapter of my life. And to just put myself in someone else's shoes and, and say, what must it have been like to, to be them, to start dating someone who's in the public eye, to, to t- have to take a backseat to someone else's life, and also have to do that while you're watching someone have a full-blown mental, drunk, drug-addicted spiral. I mean, I, there are days I couldn't get out of bed. We, we would go on vacation and we'd be there for two weeks and I would get out of bed once. And so I had to finally say, you know what, Colton, you have to put your issues with, with things aside and you have to, I just genuinely had to say like, stop being a fucking asshole and stop being so stubborn and understand how much you hurt somebody. And, and for me, once I, once that happened and once, you know, pretty recently I was able to do that, I'm just really glad I didn't write about it because I would have regretted the things I said. And I, my point of writing this book was I didn't, if I was going to tear anyone down, it was going to be myself because I had to tear myself down so I can start a new chapter and start new memories and, you know, put all these memories up on a shelf per se. And, and just say, you know what, I've lived a very long life for 33 years old, but at the same time, it's like, my story's not over, but this chapter is over. I can still be so loving and just cherish it and love everything about it. But I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting emotional Colton because I feel like, and I think on some level I do this to myself too, but I feel like you put a lot of pressure on yourself. I mean, from the book and from talking to you, it's like, fuck. Yeah. Do you, are, are you hard on yourself? I'm extremely hard on myself. I, I, and very empathetic and that after all you've been after all the things you've been through it's a lot for any one yeah. person to handle yeah it, it definitely it 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 is for when people when other people hear about my story but i mean i i've lived it and so i think for me it's it might, that kind of was my normal i'm more aware of things and i always look at the other person's hurt before mine yeah i don't have any um problem doing that so but colton we need you to look at your own hurt first sometimes i do that right? I do that like what's times, the thing three times what, a week three times a week I, and I'm I'm every s- program you could be in i'm saying I, it, yeah. i'm saying it to remind myself too like this is me <laughs> doing my own therapy that's what i like i'm glad you said that because i, I that's kind of what i wanted i wanted to be a mirror in a way it, for me to be like okay i have no problem offering myself up and being like, here's my problems. Like, you know, maybe everyone should start talking about theirs because it would have helped me. And the people who have talked about their problems and acted as a mirror for me have helped me. And I wish a lot of people would like cut the shit and just like understand that we're all hurting and that we're all going through things and we don't have to like, it doesn't have to be this, um, this, yeah, this match, secret. And match I, we got to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more from Colton Haynes. I want to encourage you all to find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. You can get my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? Wherever books are sold. I also want to thank ACAST for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Go to ACAST.com slash Everything Iconic. We'll be right back.
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com slash everything iconic. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. All right. I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. One of the other parts of your book that I really loved is you open up about mental health. And I think that's one of the most important things we can all talk about because 
oftentimes if someone's, if, if you're going through anxiety or depression, which I, I suffer from those as well. And I've yeah. noticed on my show, opening up about those things, I hear from other people who don't have the exact same experience, but they have similar experiences and say, oh, I went through a similar thing like that, or I had a similar experience with anxiety or whatever. And it makes me feel better. It makes them feel better. And so this dialogue that we can all have, and and you talk about your mental health in the book specifically, and I want to ask you about this during the time of Arrow, you're on this huge CW show. Yeah. And it's one of one of, if not the most successful shows on that network at the time. You're one of the lead yeah. actors on it, and you step away from the show. And so, tell me about that experience. Or was that when you became acutely aware that you needed to take a step away, or was there one turning point? Yeah, you know, when I made the decision to leave Arrow, you know, it's it's so. The one thing I like will not let people off the hook for is like, man, I have worked with some people who were like, you know what, kid, you're going to be the biggest star. You need to do this. You have the opportunity. We're going to, we're going to make sure you only sign one year deals on your television shows. And we're going to make sure that, you know, once you get that opportunity, you can say like, fuck you. And then you can move on and get the next big opportunity. Meanwhile, I'm like, um, this is a great gig. I love everyone here. And now you all think I should leave because you think I'm going to be this big movie star. And I'm like, Oh, well jokes on you. And also I'm the one affected by this. And so I, a lot of it was in the same thing with, with fucking the same thing with Teen Wolf. It's like, you know what? Now everyone knows who you are. So, you know, chasing, you have to chase the next big thing. You have to be relevant and, you know, you have to just be a big star. And I'm like, if I go do a fucking lifetime movie, I mean, I'm, I'm making more money than I was doing relevant shit anyway. So it's like, what is relevant me? Like, right. yeah, we, all, you know, it, I joke with my agent, my agent now. Cause I'm like, remember when you, when we thought, you know, I was going to be this like huge thing. And then like, and then, you know, my career took a different turn and we joke about it all the time because it's just not my prerogative right now. You know, I, I want to be happy. I want to, I want to figure out how to get my cat a fucking brothers and sisters that he's a fucking asshole. I want to, I just have a different lease on life and I, and I'm just so happy that I'm alive to feel these things. And also I'm, I'm not out here chasing to try to be the next, you know, big star because um, I know what sometimes that can entail. And if that happens and I'm having fun and I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to move to Palm Springs. I want to move to Palm Springs. I want to like eat donuts and I literally just want to chill. Um, I don't even remember your question because now I'm ranting. <laughs> it, was about, it was about the anxiety and depression on the arrow. But oh, yeah. I want to say, I always think the dream would be to get on. I, I would just want to be a, on a sitcom for like 10 years. Like I always think when I yeah. see these, when I see these actors who they're like, I want to leave the show. I'm like, you stay at that fucking gig. And like for a sitcom, particularly because the hours are great and you know, it's, it's less yeah. intense than a one hour drama, but I'm like, you stay at that fucking sitcom for 10 plus years, earn all the money. And then you could do yeah. whatever you want with the money. Well, it's funny. Cause that's now I'm like, shit, like I want to do CSI West Hollywood. I want to be like, you know, <laughs> Lieutenant Duquesne or whatever. And just like, do a show, show for 10 years or whatever. That's my, that's my goal now. But when you're in it and you buy into the bullshit that people are telling you, and when you're shooting GQ and when you're on the covers of magazines and when, you know, you're getting offers for big movies and stuff, it's hard not to buy into that. And mm -hmm. then 
you know, but then what happens is you end up just saying like, eventually your mental health, well, my mental health deteriorated because I, I was just chasing something that I, once I realized, oh, I'm, I'm going to be doing this fucking chase for the rest of my life. Like I'm mm-hmm. always going to be chasing something. Well, the farther and fur- the further and further I chase, the further I got away from myself. And mm-hmm. I think that once I realized that and was abruptly hit with, uh, you know, when reality set in and I woke up in the hospital, I, there was no other option for me to get a hold of my mental health and also my health. Yeah. So long, imag- stuff, very long story. <laughs> I imagine it's much more fulfilling too, to do this kind of work. I mean, releasing this book is going to help so many young queer people and all sorts of people. But I, I think this is going to be way more fulfilling than almost anything you could do just by sharing your story. So honestly and openly, I think, I mean, people are going to be so fucking moved by this book. I think it's going to, it's going to surprise and shock and delight. And, and there's so much good juicy stuff in there, but also so much heart and reality. in it. I think it's going to touch a lot of people. I hope that people will just read it. And like, I really just, yeah, I really, yeah. So that's when my nerves come in. It's just, you know, I, I, I really, I had a moment when I knew that I needed to write the book was I went to a, a Comic-Con convention in North Dakota, I believe, somewhere in the Midwest. Anyway, somewhere in the Midwest. Unclear. I'm and from that, the Midwest yeah. and I don't even fucking yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but so I went and having young gay kids come up to me and, you know, and say that my story, because I forget, like, I'm not here being like, oh, you know, like, this is all like, I try not to think about myself uh, a lot. Um, uh, I think of myself very, um, anyway, as you know, that I'm kind of hard on myself, but yeah, stop but it, once, Colton. Once I, I, it's so hard stop it. when you're like, especially when I'm just like talking to my cat and I don't anyway, but uh, no, but when people would come up to me and tell me that, that my stories helped them, I really, that gave me the courage to write this book. And, and, and I just really hope that people will, give it a chance and read it. And I think that it, it, people will relate. So, you know, Elliot Glazer is a friend of mine and you guys were working on something together, right? Like what happened to that? Are we getting that? Wasn't it a TV show or something? I love L. He's the funniest. Um, I, we, we, just had, we just had dinner the, uh, last week. Yeah. We, we, we were working on a hilarious show that we sold, that we sold the pilot uh, presentation to Peacock. There was a huge shakeup at the, the network and, you know, we're, Still in the process of pitching, we're, we're trying to figure out what the best kind of route for the show is right now, and and I think that I think I think it'll we'll be seeing it soon. But I okay, good, you know, yeah, not on Peacock, unfortunately. Uh, are you going back to Teen Wolf now? Teen Wolf's doing a movie. Tell me, what can you spoil about that? Anything? Yeah, I just got back from Atlanta. We're in the middle of filming right now, and um, we we did a week in LA, and now we're in Atlanta. So. It's fucking wild. Is it a mind fuck to go back? Because the first time you worked on Teen Wolf, it's it's written about in the book of your experience in Atlanta. And it's so compelling. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but it, is it a mind fuck then to go back to that environment surrounded by those same people, but you're in a completely different place? Oh, yes. Because also I'm going, we're all like full blown. We're adults now. I mean, we were, I, I think I was 20 maybe I was 20 when I started, but then, you know, a couple of the other characters were teenagers, but that was college for us. And we were, you know, I've worked on a bunch of different uh, projects and shows and stuff, but, and, you know, everyone says they're close to their cast, but I've never met anyone who is as close with their cast as the team will cast. Um, we, 
we are literally family. And so to be back with them has been so, it's been so awesome. And just like to be back on set and also to be in Atlanta when it's not fucking freezing, that's a plus. Um, so yeah, we're having a lot of fun and it, it's just, it's so cool to get to go back into something like that and and feel like, and have your kind of friends moment. Like if we feel like we're the, you know, the, the cast of friends, cause we always used to call ourselves that. And I was always, I was always Joey, which I always huh. thought I was Ross, but oh, I was going to say the Rachel. That would have been awesome. But they, I think Crystal was the Rachel, but, mm. um, Holland's Phoebe. Um, but, uh, I don't know. But so it's nice to be back with, uh, with, with them. And it feels exactly, it feels like we, we were just on hiatus for a month. Um, which is wild. I got to ask two shady questions. Uh, yeah. Number one, there was an Arrow co-star that was tough to work with, you say in the book. I did? I think so. Am I, I, didn't, I hope I didn't make that up. Was there a young lady on, or, or was there someone you've worked with? Maybe it was in a different chapter or something. Is there a young lady that's very difficult to work with that you can tell me? <laughs> well, I don't remember. I mean, I, wa- I was going to look in the book, but what's inside of this book is actually Anna Kendrick's book. Um, um, it's just a, you know, this was the copy they gave me um, just to have in the back right, of my right. zines. So maybe like, someone Anna Kendrick worked with was maybe. maybe that's the I love, I love it. But no, uh, I mean, you know, who, who knows? I, I, I don't remember that. What, what about the director? There was a director in the book you referenced having, um, I mean, I don't know how else to say this really, but a, a very, um, uh, an oh. open butthole. <laughs> that story was wild. It was wild. I think I know who the director <laughs> was because I think most people in, is it who um, everyone would think? No, everyone is going to, you know, that's one thing is everyone's going to um, have their ideas of who they think people are and all this stuff. But for, for me personally, if someone's hurt me, I don't want to hurt them back. Yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. better for me just to be like, you know what, that going through that and putting me through that bullshit and that, you know, situation only made me get stronger. So as I'm quoting Kelly Clarkson, uh, no. <laughs> I love Kelly Clarkson. We're not allowed to jog to Kelly Clarkson anymore. I don't know if you saw SNL. Wait, Bowen, no, I missed it. What did he say? Bowen and 80, they told us that we are no longer allowed. It's, it's out to jog to Kelly Clarkson, even though she's my freaking queen. Um, and yeah, but you know, I, I wrote about in my book about uh, there's a Kelly Clarkson song when I, when I've been in sort of my deepest depression, it's called the sun will rise. And it's a, it's like a dramatic ballad song, but yeah. it's helped me through so much. And I, and I, I know people go to her fast stuff all the time, but that Mine's, song, the sun yeah. will rise is like beautiful disaster is mine. I'm like, that is, I mean, anything Kelly, but the live version of it, the live, I mean, it's incredible. I, I still listen to Kelly like all the time. She's just yeah. incredible. And I'm like dying to, I made some stupid video about, I uh, was just being dumb about me going to Clarkson university. I don't know. I posted a lot. It's so stupid. I need to go. I'll go look it, it up. I think it's hilarious, but my humor is, doesn't land on people because they don't quite understand <laughs> my personality, but anyway, but yeah, I'm not, anyway, going back to the question. I don't know. I don't remember. I think yeah, that. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I got you. Yeah, I, think, I think I that, got what um, you're spilling. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, I'm trying. I just had another good question. I lost it. What was the question? Uh, I'm good at doing this. Oh, do, you, like, do you still think, wait, do you still think there are a lot of closeted entertainers in the industry? 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah there, there are, you know, I think, you know, and it, it, it is, 
it is hard for people when they come out of the closet to succeed. That, yeah. that, that's not a, I don't, I don't really think that that's, um, well, it's that I can't put a blanket statement over that. I think if you are specific, um, I want to say type, but there are, there are, there are, I don't, I don't know the word because this could get me in a lot of trouble. I, I see. Wait, I'm going to stop you right here because I can see even of all those years that you've had to spend, and it's all kind of clicking for me because you've had to spend so many years doing these press junkets for these huge shows and, and being this leading man and, and kind of presenting yourself in a way that you weren't. And so I can even tell talking to you how, not that you're censored, but you're, you're very cognizant of what you're saying. And because I know exactly. And that must I be know. so fucking stressful. It's stressful because here's the thing that I was getting nervous about. I, in my head was like, I'm not doing any press for this book because it's perfect just the way it is. I love every second of it. And me, me, I'll start going off script and someone will catch me. And not, I'm not saying you're doing that because yeah. I think you're awesome. Oh. But I, I do, I'm very, very hyper aware of all the things people have said and all the things people have done to make me more of a laughing stock and to have more people make fun of me and to keep me from getting jobs and to paint me a certain way when I'm not that way at all. And so I think that what I, I, you can see my eyes going, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. What's happening. Um, this is such a raw emotional book and it's my, it's literally like being pulled right from my journey. Like, and so when I do, when questions like that do come up and I say blanket statements, it's such an easy thing to pull from. It's people will be like, Oh, you said this. And then, Oh, well, what about this person came out? And I'm like, well, that person is not, we're all different. And so, but I'm also not encouraging people to stay in the closet. That's not at all what I'm doing because I think that that's, it'll be more beneficial for their health. Who cares if people don't want to hire you anymore. But, um, you know, I think that once things, if things keep hopefully changing, then that won't be Okay, quick, quick little lightning round ish, or however long you want to take with these. Um, who, if you were choosing for People Magazine, Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? Oh shit! Oh, I'm so bad at these because I'm just like I'm in a Channing Tatum mode right now. I mean, to me, he's oh. really everything because also I love the way he moves and everything. So if um, if that helps spark anything within you, he followed me a month ago. I'm obsessed with Channing Tatum, and my yeah. fucking delusional ass was like, I'm we're dating. I was like, well, <laughs> first I was like, well, he's dating, he, he's dating a friend of mine. And so I wait. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to be a magic Mike. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wait, is that public? That's public, right? Magic Mike or no, he's dating Zoe. Yeah. 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 It's, that is it's okay. Cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah. great. Colton outs them. Now my <laughs> yeah. They went to the Met Gala together. So that's, yeah, it's that's public. true. Yeah. So fucking followed me. My dumbass was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to yeah. be, you know, in magic Mike three. Of course, you you know, I want to say Jason Momoa, but hasn't he already been people sexy? Yeah, he could be it again. They could be, I think Brad Pitt's won a couple times. He could, he could win it again. Yeah, of course. And then also, there was one on the top of my head, uh, Ricky Whittle. Do you know Ricky Whittle? Ricky, yes. Wait, I can't picture him. I know the name. I'm sure if I look it up. Yeah. This man, this man just tortures my life. I happen to know him. And um, it's like, he's like one of those people, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, oh, they definitely, are into me, but they're just like oh, yeah. straight or they just aren't. Um, yeah. yeah. I tend to do that a lot. I'll like see someone from across the room and I'm like, 
are we dating? Like, it's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah. But I don't I, date and haven't done that in fucking three and a half years. So, well, you mentioned Magic Mike, and one time on Valentine's Day, and I have a significant other, but on Valentine's Day, I saw Matt Bomer at Target. And in I my head, him. I was like, we're on a Valentine's Day date. And like, I still think of every Valentine's Day comes along, and I'm like, oh, remember that Valentine's I spent with Matt Bomer? Well, it's it, because you share a moment together. I, yeah. I think the same thing. I do it all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's so yeah. that's why when I walk into rooms, I just don't look at people. I kind of look down because I don't want my delusion to get in the way. Yeah. So. Delusions yeah. of grandeur. Sometimes we got to a uh, favorite Mariah Carey song. I ask all of my guests their favorite Mariah song. Oh my God. Important question here, Colton. And don't say the Christmas song. I'm not I, allowing it. I hate Christmas. <gasps> I, okay. Well, let's not go that far. I'm the, I'm the Grinch. If I, but I just act like, yeah, I act like I don't, Oh, I'm not definitely not a Mariah Christmas song. Okay. Um, okay. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my gosh. Always be my baby. Is that classic? Yeah. I mean, that's a great one. I really I, will. I, I, I think I'll accept any answer. Like dream, dream, dream lover? lover, dream lover. Yeah. Yeah. Dream lover. I love crazy. that butterfly. Well, that's the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember stealing that that album from my sister and like walking around in her like clunky like Mia like heeled sandals all the time. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I love that. But I have but, I have a mer- yeah. Anyway, but okay, JC or Justin? JC. Yeah. Yeah, I was always a JC. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I feel like you should play I JC mean, in this. some sort of end scene movie. <laughs> Um, so do I, I'm part of their fan club to this day. Still, I have no, like, this is just on hand. This was not a plan for everyone who's watching and listening. I have, wait, so you're, many- you're, put, you're pulling up some literal NSYNC merch from the fan club. Like, look, like <laughs> this literally like, okay. Look at these pictures. This is amazing. <laughs> okay. JC, look at, you could play him right there. Yeah. And so get this shit. I used to stand in line at Walmart to get their albums for like five hours. And then I became friends with JC and it's still the weirdest thing in the world. Okay. He's um, my turtleneck Prince. What's going on with JC these days? Cause I, I legitimately love that man. And what is, I need is that a thing I don't know about. No, I, I just call him my turtleneck Prince because he used oh. to always wear turtlenecks. Remember he back did. in the day, he always was in like, he always looked so fucking good. No one looks better in a turtleneck than JC Shazay. No. I mean, it's stunning. And I miss him and I need him to do give us some public stuff. I've become friendly. <laughs> I've become friendly with all these like accounts on Instagram who are like JC. Cause I posted about him a few times. And so some of these accounts that are these JC fan clubs and they're all, I mean like in their chat sometimes and I see them and they're, everyone's wondering like, where is JC? Like we need him to come back to us. He was the true lead. Yeah. He's so talented. And you know, I, I was lucky enough to, get to know him for a while and I haven't seen him in like a couple of years, but, um, I think, you know, it, it's hard, like being that talented and things like that. And also it had to have been hard, right. To like have someone who was in the group kind of become the biggest, you know, the biggest thing. Um, and also there's all these things with like the way labels are pushing one person and not. So, um, no disrespect to, you know, sure. to them, but, but, you know, maybe we haven't seen the last of him. I hope and not. And there's I would a- love to play him in the movie. 
You'd yeah. be you'd be perfect playing him in the movie. And there's also all these. I, I went on a YouTube spiral once where there's these long YouTube videos about JC and like how he was done dirty when he went solo by the record labels and stuff. It's like very. Some of it feels maybe a little conspiracy theorist ish, but it's still well, very fascinating. Stuff, but that stuff happens all the time. It's you know they're they're not wanting to have multiple eyes on multiple people, so they take those eyes away and you know and give the artist creative. Um, say and sometimes that yeah doesn't yeah. turn turn to a monetary thing so yeah well the point is justice for jc uh do you who was the funniest person on the set of rough night because there were that's filled with some funny ladies that was the greatest work experience i've ever had in my life and i i, I still being friends with paul and lucia who are now very celebrated, you know, award-winning people. Um, Running Hacks on HBO, which is fantastic. It's my fit, easily one of my top three favorite shows of all time. Um, the funniest person on set, I was, I got to work with Jillian, Jillian Bell a lot. And I was like legitimately, I was supposed to be in the movie for like a day or two. And then I got on set and everyone just laughed every time. I wouldn't even say anything sometimes and people just start laughing. And, um, Scarlett thought I was like just a model because, and I was there for like a while and she was like, Oh, I didn't know. And, but like Scarlett was so fucking awesome to work with. Um, Kate was hilarious. Um, but Jillian was just constantly just cracking me up. And the, the chemistry between everyone on that movie, when we were filming it and also into the press tour and everything, it was an absolute dream, like hands down best work experience I've ever had in my life. And, and I think that it really is, having Paul and Lucia at the helm of a project like that, they, they make sure that every single person, it doesn't matter if you have one line or you have a lead, they make sure that you feel like you are meant to be there and that you're important. And I think that that's so important, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Jillian's, yeah. Jillian's a friend too. And she is the funniest person ever. And I think even just watching her on anything, just giving a look, she doesn't have to have a line. She just can't. <laughs> Do a, she's so fucking funny. Okay, Brittany or Christina? This is why I'm bad at lighting rounds because I'm just like, there's so many things I love about both of them. <laughs> well, I that's mean, good. That's a good problem to have. Like, there's so many things. I mean, Dirty, Christina's freaking Maxim, that, you know, yeah. Matt, the Dirty era made me gay, but in the best ways, not because it, I just thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, what were Brittany, some of the, wait, what were yeah. some of the other things that made you gay? I mean, I have a list of these that I like sort of a running list. I, there's this new, um, the real world, New Orleans is coming back. And I remember Danny from the real world, New Orleans was like one of the things or, yeah. or you mentioned that Christina cover, like were there a handful of things that you could kind of point to that you're like, Oh, they, that, that kind of pushed me over the edge. Oh, Gaston, Gaston. Let me tell you my first, my first wet dream was from Gaston <laughs> and dead, dead is serious. And I, I rewatched, I, I don't, I don't even think I've ever seen that movie full. I, I have a hard time focusing as you can tell. Yeah. Gaston. Oh my gosh. Maxim and FHM. Like for some reason, not, not because looking at the women made me gay, but I was like, mm. they are the most powerful people I've at. Like, I remember just being like wanting to either be them or also just like, the confidence that they were, you know, that, that was kind of being shown through the photographs was just like a total gay heaven for me. Who else? In sync, of course. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that one. The was it the first NSYNC or the second tearing up my heart video? It was like Justin's arm, like above his head. It was like just that weird sort of one image was so important to me as a young child. God, now I'm like trying to think. I, there was I used to sneak into Barnes and Noble all the time and like rip the pages out of the gate. But I, I didn't really have the whole like, oh look, like I didn't have the teeny bopper like heartthrob kind of story. Mine was like, show me dicks, and like like it was it was zero yeah. to sixty, and mm-hmm. that you know, that was interesting. Um, well, I'm certain, I'm certain, and this is probably creepy of me to say, but I'm certain that when I was young, I snuck that XY magazine underneath like a USA today or a details and like hid in the corner of a borders yeah. bookstore and a lot of those photos of you with your boyfriend. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you did it to a lot of people, a lot of gays. You pushed a lot of young gays over the edge, Colton. Oh, oh I, yeah, that was interesting. That was, I still think, I look back on the memory and I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. Do you hear from that guy anymore? Have you heard from him? Are you nervous for him to read this book? The, the ex-boyfriend um, in those photos? We're friends now. He's still, oh. when I talk about um, my first boyfriend, my first real boyfriend that I moved to LA together, when I talk about him in the book, he's just such a great person. He's so like, he genuinely believes in love and I clearly didn't. I clearly didn't and probably don't. Yeah, but he's awesome. He, Do you feel I, like I, you don't? Do you feel like you actually don't? You know, I I love my friends. I love my family. And once I... My cat. I love my cat, even though he's an asshole. Um, you know, I am better when... I'm a better me when I'm not in a relationship. Mm. I can... You know, I, I don't have to play these games and I don't have to check in with somebody and I don't have to, if I want to play Pokemon Go for fucking 12 hours a day and I want to go drive around blasting music in my car, I don't want to go meet your friends. Like, I don't want to meet your family. I'm just not in the, in the space to where I need to focus on me right now. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Uh, Colton, I want to wrap this up because I've kept you too long. What do you want people to take away from this book? I, I hope everyone gets it. I know people will because it, it's gonna. People are gonna share it and talk about it. It's it's so fantastic. So, what do you want to leave people who read the book with? I I just want 
people who have ever lost their like their identity and just felt like they've they felt so lost and so depressed and so anxious and they i want them to know that there is a way to find your way back to yourself and with this book i was able to do that for me and i also i want people to take away you know pain can really start to um show up in, in so many different ways in trauma. And I just want people to understand that, you know, if you let some of this free and let some of this stuff go, um, you can start a new chapter. So, yeah. I'm excited to watch your next chapter in your career. I think uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And, I, and I'm hoping you don't give any fucks going forward. I just want you to like not give any fucks. Oh, Cause oh, yeah. I, I no, love I, that in the book. It's just so raw. And so like, this is my fucking story. And it's so, so good. So good. I just will not give, I don't give any fucks. And it's going to be interesting when someone tries to ask me a question when they haven't read the book. And for me to be like, you know, I have to, I have to be careful in my press store. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Cause I don't want my little bratty attitude sometimes to get defensive and to like, you know, start a headline, but no, you were fucking awesome. I'm so happy that oh, I got to do this. And I really appreciate you for, for letting me come on and, you know, talk your ear off and thank probably you. not answer any of the questions, no. but I'm, I'm appreciative. <laughs> uh, Colton, thank you so much for taking the time. Everyone pick up Miss Memory Lane. Uh, Colton, thank you so much. Thank you so much. 